We're at the bottom of Nun Hey Amid Beis, 55b. We're going to start five lines up. Uh, fascinating piece over here. Tanya. Um, this is always an important thing to keep in mind um, in Gomorrah, which is there's Dine Adam and there's Dine Shemayim. There's certain things you can go to a court and into Beisdin, and uh, you can sue, you Beisdin will get involved. There are other things just because you can't sue in a court of law or you can't uh, base in a person as putter, that doesn't mean uh, that they're going to get away scot-free. In other words, there's Dine Shemayim. That, uh, up, in, you know, up there, they're going to make sure things uh, work out. Um, and so that's just an important rule to know in Nezik. There's things that a person is liable for and they have to pay, but it could be they should do more. You know, Dine Shemayim is a whole other... That's, uh, there's a double, double judgment there's what, how they judge you down here and how they judge you up there. Uh, and that's much harder what they judge you up there. You never know, you know, you want to... So the, the, the Rabbi Yeshua says the, the following. Omar Rabbi Yeshua. Here we go. Good morning, Dr. Yafi. I appreciate that you came. I, it, was, it was telling me I'm the only one here and it felt very lonely. So I'm glad you, you came. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. You're not the only one there. Okay. How are you doing? Good. So we're just starting now, five lines from the bottom on Nun Hayamid Beis. There are four things that I can tell you that down here they're not going to prosecute for them. You're not going to have to pay. But but in heavenly judgment, you are going to owe. These are the following cases. Um, and Argomar actually is going to ask. Um, that, uh, that in theory there should be other there are other cases. Why are these only these four? Good morning, Michael. So uh, these are the cases. Number one, Haparitz Geder Bifnei Behemus Kavero. Somebody knocks down the fence, and the Gemara is going to explain all these. Uh, knocks down their neighbor's fence or what's keeping the neighbor's animal locked up, and then uh, the animal gets away uh, and uh, causes. Uh, they cause their neighbor's animal to go, go lost. So um, that's what Rashi says. The animal goes out and runs away. So you unlock the gate and let your neighbor's animal go free. So it, the fact is that uh, you damaged him, but it's indirect damage. In other words, you the gate was closed and you opened it or you unlocked it. So you, the courts can't make you liable. It, it's grumma, it's indirect. But up there in the heavens, they know that you caused him to lose his animal. Next, you bent the crops uh, closer to the fire and you made it so that there would be damage. Number three, you hired false witnesses. You hired witnesses to testify falsely. And... Uh, and then number four, you, you know testimony and you don't testify. So we're going to have to explain all four of these. Why is it that you're not Chayev Bidine Adam? And why is it you are Chayev Bidine Shemayim? Like there's two parts to this. But these, these are four examples. So let's begin. We said you break down the wall in front of your neighbor's animal. What's the case? If you're breaking your neighbor's wall and he has a robust, healthy, strong wall, you'll have to pay for that wall that you break. 
Um, let's see, Tosus. Uh, it, there's a little little confusing here because are we talking about paying for the wall or paying for the animal? That's a little bit of the discussion here. So, but the, look at Tosus. We're talking here about having to pay for breaking your neighbor's wall. Why? He wants to say um, that it's uh, the, the animal going away and getting lost. That's indirect. That's grama. Grama is its own category that, you know, you're, you're liable to diminish your mind, but that we already know about grama. But for the wall, that we're telling you over here that uh, this, you broke your neighbor's wall. And that's, uh, you knocked it down, and that's what you're allowed. And I'll just read you one more line in Toso. So uh, some people say directly. So that's a little bit of a surprise. We thought we're talking only about damaging your neighbor's animal. Tosa says, ah, animal we weren't worried about. That's grub. We're talking about breaking your neighbor's wall. Okay, that's one way. It's just more complicated, this Gemara, than we thought. But that's fine. Back to the Gemara. So what are we talking about? If you knock down a perfectly healthy, strong, robust wall, he could take you to court. You broke my wall. It's a shaky wall, as we turn to today's page. Uh, and so what happened is that he really didn't lose so much because the wall was, it was an old wall anyways. But meanwhile, it was up. So that's the way the Gemara understood it, that you can't sue, how, the wall was going to break eventually. But you broke it now and caused the animals to get out. So in Shemaim, they're going to blame you. Okay, that's case number one. Next he case. He also knew that the fence can, can be broken, taken, taken apart more easily, dismantled. Since, it, since it's what? Since it's shaky. It's designed in a way where it can be taken apart. And, and therefore? Therefore, it can be put back together again. Oh, I see. So it's not a total loss, is what you want to say. Um, okay. It could be rebuilt. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's the that's case. Um, next case. The, the other way to look at it is that it's a dangerous, the wall itself is dangerous, so the guy's doing you a favor. He's, <laughs> he's getting rid of the danger. You're so going to have to knock it down sooner. <laughs> Very good. Right, so it doesn't fall on somebody. Any, so he's, he's really a, a sterling citizen. <laughs> You're doing him a favor, that's right. Right. Okay. Yeah, right. I'm doing you a favor. I'm knocking down and shaking you off. You would have, right. you, you would have had to take it down sooner or later anyway, so, you know, that's right. Okay. Right. Or, or maybe it's equivalent to Iran arming uh, Hamas, you know? They're innocent. They didn't do anything. And, uh, you know, Israel is going to have to go sooner or later anyway, so, you know, they're, they're doing everybody a favor. Okay. Let's see the next. Each one of these cases is 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 interesting or fascinating. You bend your neighbor's standing grain in front of the fire. So hey, what's the case? If what you did was you made it so that the wind is going to make the fire catch on this, that's very direct. In other words. Where the crop was standing, it wasn't close to the fire of your neighbor. Uh, but you bent it over so that it's close enough to the campfire that the sparks of the campfire with the normal wind are going to catch it. So that's like direct. If you put it, the bent your neighbor's crop in the direct line of fire, so it must be that it was really, it, it was uh, not a normal wind. If you have an abnormal wind, then it would potentially catch. So you did it, you made it that Rashi Baruch She'en Metsuya B'midi Delo Socha Daitahu. 
it was something that people wouldn't necessarily think about. Uh, you, it, it, you made it that it was somewhat more possible that it could, it could get damaged. So that Medina Yadam was far-fetched. What do you mean? It was, it was far away. But Medina Shemayim, if you have an unusual wind, then it would be dangerous. Okay. Um, that's one answer. Rabashi says, Tamanitmar. Uh, what you did was you covered it up. Uh, the, you covered your neighbor's things. And the rule is when you burn something and it's covered, you're not liable for what's covered. In Meshum Deshave Tamun Beish, and uh, you, what you did was, let's see, Rashi Tamun Itmar, four lines up. Shikise Kamus Kaver Basidinim. You covered your neighbor's uh, um, uh, crops with uh, sheets. Kisharod Leika Etzlo. When you saw the fire coming, Vehu Lo Sabira, and you weren't live. You didn't make the fire. Vishavi Tamun Vegorim Lahefset. Your neighbor won't be able to make a claim. If the, on damage that was covered. Um, basically, the, when things are not visible, you don't have to pay. The, the way the insurance claim was of Aish was that let's, we had that before if you had a haystack and they were valuable, the guy hid cash in the haystack. And you burn the haystack, he only has to pay for the hay, but not what's covered. So what he did was he was angry at his neighbor and he knew that very soon his neighbor was going to have a fire. So he covered his neighbor's crops so that his neighbor wouldn't be able to make an insurance claim on the, uh, on the crops that were covered. So he said, oh, I'm doing a nice thing. I'm protecting them. But in effect, he was doing was causing his neighbor to... Uh, that, that's the way uh, this is understood. Okay. So what you're saying is what's covered is not covered by insurance. Correct. Correct. <laughs> that's exactly how they learn over here. Want to be clear here. Yeah. Uh, let's do that, Rashi. I'll show you. I didn't make that up. Rashi Tamunet Marshikisa Kamas Kaver Basin Sharodle Hulo Shalaka Sabir Vishavi Taman Vigorim Lahefsed Asanizik. You're causing him to lose that damage, lifter as a maver, and you won't be able to collect from the guy that lit the fire, the Pater Al Taman Baish. Because you don't have to pay the guy that lit the fire won't have to pay for things that weren't visible to the naked eye that, that burned with the fire. And so he's running and covering his neighbor's things um, in, in that case. Um, okay, back to the Gemara. So, Omar Mar Hasokar Edi Shekhar. So then the third case, really each one of these cases is a gem. There's a lot to talk about in each one. <laughs> but uh, what happens where they hire false witnesses? So, hey, Kidam, what about, if it's for you, in other words, like your neighbor said you owe money and you brought witnesses that you don't owe money. Uh, that's what you did. So, Mamono boy Lishlume, that's not, you, you would have to pay. Um, or if you, you had people testify that he owes you money. So, um, yeah, that's what Rashi Lenash, Lahote Mamu Chaver Laatzmo. You brought false witnesses that he owes you money and you collect, you, you seized money from him illegally, but you brought witnesses that he owes you. So, if that's the case, those kind of false witnesses, you'd have to pay. But no, what, what you did was you hired false witnesses to help out someone else. So that apparently is, you can't sue, you could. Next case. You know testimony for him, and you say, I, you know, you don't bother to come to court to help him out. But Maya Skeeter, what's the case? 
if there's two witnesses that saw testimony and they don't testify, of course they're in trouble. That's a parsec. It says you don't testify, you bear the sin. You can't pretend that, you know, the police are asking, anybody see anything? You know, I, I don't want to get that guy in trouble. No, if two people see something, they got to go testify. So that's simple. El-Bechad. There's only one witness. So that's, that's the case. So again, each one of these cases, the Gomorrah needed to uh, uh, give explanations for exactly how it worked. But these were four cases that, that you couldn't sue for Bedine Adam, but Bedine Shemaim, the person's in trouble. But the Gomorrah, though, asked, Vesuleko, are these the only ones? Vaika, we got a whole bunch. And in the parentheses, there's a way to memorize all this. There's a, there's a, but okay. So now the Gomorrah is going to ask that there are, there's a whole repertoire of cases that you can't sue for in the courts, but did a Shemaim they hold you for? What are they? A person, they, uh, they made some paraduma water. The Beisdin spent tons of money to get the, the red heifer. Again, it's not easy to find a red heifer, totally red, and they, they spent all the money and they processed it. Now, when they made it, so there's a rule that you're not allowed to, um, it will become invalid if you do work with it, if you do some kind of job with the paraduma or the mechatos, and this guy does it. Now, it looks the same, even though you did work with it. So it's invisible damage, uvaparoschatos. Uh, you did some work with the ashes or with the para, so they can't sue you because here's your ashes, they look the same. Here's your cow, it looks the same. But, but they're going to make you pay. The, a, a cow that was never worked, all he's got to do is plow with it a little bit, or they say even to put his bags on it. If he wants to sabotage the paraduma, it's real easy. The halachas, the, so he sabotaged the paraduma, but you can't sue because he didn't destroy it. But halachically, he made it no good. And what about What if you give your neighbor's pet poison? You put it in front of him. You didn't yeah, give, you it, give to it to him. him. You uh, yeah, put it in front of him. Yeah, I, I, that dog is a nasty. That dog's been bothering me a lot lately. Let me just leave some uh, something to uh, uh, special treat. That's right. So, so uh, he can't sue you. I didn't tell your dog to go eat that, uh, you know, stuff that was going to teach him a lesson, but uh, they know why you put that there. Yes. On that day, I think the Rashi, if I understood it right, it means like you put a glass of water that has mechadis water on the scale, like as a weight or something. That's a way to, that's, thank you, that's a way to do work with it, if you use it as a weight. That's uh in other words, when they, 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 the question is, how do you do work with paraduma water? You know, what kind of work do you do it? So Steve is bringing from Rashi that you could put it on a scale if you need to weigh something or something. But even that would destroy. So you're going to make the guy pay. So what I do, here's your mechatos. But since you did invisible damage, uh, you'll be liable. Ah, but Ika, but the Morris says, what about the following? What about where you send a fire with a deaf mute, an imbecile, or a minor, uh, and uh, they go and they catch a fire? They can't sue you. So I think I mentioned that in World War II, the Germans, when they wanted to burn down the Reichstag, they gave a, uh, a, a, an insane person uh, uh, matches or a fire to, to set the fire. Uh, and uh, once they had it burned down, they didn't have to deal with the, uh, 
with the Congress anymore. They, they had burned it down. But that's the, they gave it to the person who lit the fire was an insane person. I said, oh, it's an insane person. But who gave the person the, uh, the gas and the, you know, the matches and put them there? You can give a certain kind of person all the fuel and put them in the wrong place, and he's going to make a fire. Yeah. So, Next, what if you scare somebody? Uh, they're walking, and you scare them, and then they, they, they're carrying a bunch of eggs, and they drop all the eggs. So... Uh, uh, we've had that before. The, you make a noise in their ear. Uh, so, it, you didn't break the eggs. You didn't, but you just scared the guy. And you'll be live with the And what about you're Your earthenware jug broke and and you didn't pick up the pieces. You didn't pick up the pieces right away and somebody slipped. Or your camel fell down and you didn't get it up right away to move it out of the way of the traffic. So Rameir Mechayev Bezikin, the Rameir says Yechayev, even Bidine Adam. But Chacham, they say, Patim Bidine Adam, Yechayev Bidine Shemayim. So uh, the, what did we see? We see there are a number of cases. And uh, why did Rabbi Yeshua only list four? So the Gemara says, In Miyu Ikatuva. Yeah, yeah there's, 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 there's more cases. Uh, this wasn't an exhaustive list. So very quickly, the Gemara came up with there are a whole bunch of cases that fit into this category. That Bedinah uh, Shemayim, this guy, he's got, uh, uh, they're going to take care of it. So, why do we list these four? Hani Itzrichle. I'll tell you why we listed these four. These were needed. I might have thought that these four, you can't even dinner Shemayim, they'll let you go. Kamash will on that you don't. So, he explains. When you knock down your neighbor's fence, I would have thought, since anyways it was going to fall down, my oven, what'd you do? You broke a broken fence. But in a Shemayim, Namilo And Shemayim, they won't, uh, there are a lot of things that are standing by, uh, they're held together by a, a, a very small thing. You remove the paperclip. You know, you remove what was, until now it was working for him. And you're going to say it was totally broken. Yeah, but it was still holding together a little longer. You know, that's Kamash Malon that you are going to have to pay for that. If you bend the crop, how did I know that uh, a strong wind was going to come and make a fire? How was I supposed to know? Maybe in Shemaim they don't hold you liable. That you did something that would be dangerous if something happens. What about that case where you covered your neighbor's crops? That's pretty sinister. So Madutema Anakisi, because I'm doing the guy a favor. Maybe I'm not liable. Kamash Malan, you are. Tosus. So again, the case was over there that you ruined his insurance claim. That you knew this fire was coming and you covered his crops. And if the crops were covered, that meant that he wouldn't be able to collect for the fire damage. Frectosus. God knows what you were thinking. Hashem knows that you were trying to sabotage his insurance claim, im tova, im ra. Uh, so how could that be a case that they won't hold you guilty if what you did was you, 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 were, you were harming him in a sinister way that you knew when the insurance person is going to come by, he's going to see the covering and say, oh, we don't have to pay for that. So uh, that's why he, he, wow, I didn't get that. So he, he's doing it to harm. Absolutely, to harm, yes, uh, yes. So, Yeshlamar, tell us the answer. 
even but in spite of that, nevertheless, he didn't do anything according to the, the, the way the Gemara is understanding it now. It would have happened anyway. Well, the fire was going to burn it anyways. All that he did was he put some blankets over the crop, and now, yeah. later on, when the guy tries to claim the insurance, he won't be able to collect. Yeah, I think that's the issue, that he's not trying to stop the fire. Right, well, that, yeah, that we don't know if he's able to or not. But let's see Tosa Yeshlomer, Tosus at the bottom. One way you can look at it is this is the same as a guy who is falling to his death and you put a knife underneath him. You're, you're probably even, even me in a shalayim in that case, I think, no? Um, yeah. Right. The, um, there are a lot of novels about sinister crimes, you know, crimes where, like, you try to hide, like, the obvious crimes are, well, you know, the sinister crimes are those that, uh, but let's see, Tosus, Yeshomer, Dafila Miskavan Latova. Even if he meant well, Shilo Yamar Lisrof, that it shouldn't burn quickly. But Yochulahatzabalabaiasbisokach, I thought I'll give him time and he'll be able to save them. He should have understood Shilo Yehefsibikach, that it shouldn't cause a loss. So Tosus is making it a little more complicated that he might have had a good intention, but he didn't realize that the good intention would likely cause harm. So, on the one hand, it could be, under some circumstances, it might have helped, but under the more likely circumstance, it caused harm. So that's the way Tosas is learning it. It ends up being quite a complicated case. because uh, he did, Tosas is saying, if he really intended to mess up his neighbor, so, of course, uh, uh, God doesn't, you can't play tricks with Hashem, and, and the dinner Shemayim, if he was trying to harm his neighbor, of course they're going to get him in Shemayim. So he, Tosas wants to learn that he had a good intention, but he didn't think it through that well. A little more innocent, according to Tosa. Correct. That's right. It's just interesting. But this actually has an interesting consequence for this particular case. In the other cases, you can make the argument that Shamayim actually is complicit in causing the damage. <laughs> um, in other words, God, God brought the Ruach Hashem and Matsuya that caused the damage, and so, so God wanted it to happen. Um, the wall was already shaky. Somebody was walking underneath it, and he got killed. But, you know, God wanted that to happen. Maybe that guy was uh, was guilty of, uh, of uh, inadvertent murder. So he's, he's, uh, Hashem is, is, is evening, evening the scales. But in this case, when you, when you, when you hide something that is, is in the path of the fire, you can't make the argument that Shemayim is complicit. But, well, God makes the fire, doesn't he? God makes it burn. But God made the fire to begin with, but Shemayim is not really so complicit. You had good intentions. You were trying to protect the, you know, the, the other articles. But, uh, right. but even if you were trying to protect it, that's, that does make Shemayim complicit, that, that the fire was, uh, you know, was, uh, was the, the, the wind fanned the flames and the fire went in that direction. Okay. I think I'm not oh, sure right, about that. But you're 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 forgetting about the sinister aspect. You're you're assuming that God was was wholeheartedly wanting to save the crops, whereas the sinister side of it is he wanted to make sure that the guy wasn't able to to pick up his compensation for ruined crops. Right. That's right. That's yeah. the case of the Gemara. But Tosfos yeah. says that even when you had good intentions, you're still high up in the initial mind because you didn't think it through. So you're you oh, are negligent in in what you did. Yeah, I've, I've seen. Store owners that they uh, they let they they want to fire a person or let go, and they they pretend to be nice, but they're doing something in order that the person won't be able to claim workers' comp. 
In other words, they they know the rules. What unemployment? Unemployment, right? So they yeah. they they do something in a way to the employer. Oh, it's so nice the way you know he's giving me this, he's giving me that, he's telling me this, he's telling me that. But really, he's he knows what the rules are, and he's doing it in such a way that that person won't be able later to make a claim against him. Uh, when in the fact is, he did fire him, and the person should get unemployment. You know, but uh, so uh, you got to watch out for sinister people. But okay, moving on. What about hiring false witnesses? Why aren't they going to get you? The answer is, You can't blame that on me. Blame that on the, on the false witnesses. In other words, I shouldn't have liability. It's the people that lied in court that are going to be, carry the burden. Maybe I don't blame the guy that hired them. That's their, you know, they, they were going to lie anyway, so I just hired them. So, no, you, you hire false witnesses, you're in trouble. How do you know if when we brought, I testified against him, it would work? Maybe he would have lied and he would have, I knew that the guy borrowed the money. I didn't feel like testifying. Uh, what happened was somebody loaned somebody money and the neighbor was a witness. And now he's trying to collect and he needs the neighbor to come to court to testify that he loaned the money. And the neighbor says, ah, I'm too busy. So, uh, so aren't, well, of course, in a Shemaim, they're going to get him because he's causing the neighbor a loss. He's not enabling him to collect his loan. So, but I, I, how do I know that if he had testified that the other guy borrowed, how do I know the other guy would have said, okay, I owe you. Maybe the guy would have lied and said, no, I didn't. One witness is enough to make him swear. Maybe the other guy would have sworn falsely and said, I don't owe you. And then, in other words, how do I know my testimony would have actually gotten the loan back for him? If the guy, maybe the guy who was trying to collect from will, will, would have, when they brought him to court, would lie. So maybe I'm not guilty. you are. Okay, moving on. Now we go back to the Mishnah. So um, that subject, though, was the big subject of these things that you can't uh, be liable, but you are. And again, it, it comes up many times in the, in the Shas. So, uh, but then we go back to the Mishnah, and we said that the owner is not liable if his fence broke down at night, and that's how his animal got down, or the robbers got in. So Amar The animal that escapes, uh, the animal had to dig out. But if it didn't dig out, so what do you want to say if it if it came out, then the owner would be liable. Hey, kidami, what's the case? If it was a strong wall, kilo chatro my If the animal didn't dig out, why would he be liable? My what could he have done? Ella rua. Maybe it was a shaky wall, ki If the animal dug out, on my putter, why would he be exempt? He also pshia. A shaky wall was really not good protection to keep the animal in. He was negligent to begin with. Now, even though in the end the animal dug out, apparently when an animal digs under a fence, that an owner can't prevent. In other words, your job is to have a reliable, strong, dependable wall to keep your animal from harming other people. If your animal digs underneath the wall, which happens, but that's not, that's, that's, uh, that's ones, that's beyond your control. Our question is, the wall itself was weak. So he's liable because the wall that he had wasn't really good enough. But in the end, the animal went through by digging. So the question is, are you liable in such a case? That works if you say, 
Anyways, you were negligent. You didn't have good watching for your animal. So even though besofa baonis, in the end the animal dug out your partner. But if you say when they went to see how the animal got out, it's true the animal dug out. What could he have done about that? But they saw that he really didn't watch the animal well anyways because it was a weak wall. According to that view, so he should be liable. Ella, so how can we fit the mission like everybody? The mission talking about the coastal boy. No, he had a decent wall. And even if the animal didn't dig out. So then what are we talking about? He was referring to the second case. He left the animal out in the sun. Or he gave it to a watchman who wasn't good. Even if the animal, the, the owner is negligent because he left the animal in the sun. Now, the animal dug out, and usually when the animal digs out, you're not liable. So why are you liable over here? Lo, me boy, hey, the lo, chatra. Not only where the animal didn't uh, uh, dig out, it, the, the wall wasn't good, the kulab shiahu. That's total negligence. Afilu chatra, but even where it had a good wall and the animal dug out, he's also liable. Why? I would have thought um, that uh, he started out negligent, but it wasn't his fault. Kamashmah and the kulab shia. It's totally his fault. My time at Omerle made the yada to keep in the shafke You should have known. When you put an animal and leave him in the sun, whatever an animal could do, it will do. Animals, they find that, you know, when they feel threatened, they come up with unusual powers and they will flutter in every direction, every which way they will try to get out. So over here, even if you had a good wall, it's total negligence to leave them in the sun because the animals will come up with very ingenious methods of escaping uh, to get out. Rashi, tzadike, takbluos. Those are like uh, plans or ways to do it. Back to Gemara, hotzi, lisim, lisim, chayavim. And if the robbers took your animals out, then they got to pay as we turn the page. Pshita, uh, isn't that simple? Kim and afki, kaimele, brushus. Lekol I mean, you, you take it, you own it. If they took your animals out of your property, and then the animal's damaged, of course the robbers are liable. So Morris said, so what would the case be? Um, the question here is this. If they leave the animal out physically, that they're doing a mashicha on it, so they, in effect, they're bringing it into their rishus, and now they're liable. See, if they, if they just let the animal out, that's grama. But if they lead it out, then they're liable. So, um, Amor uh, says, of course, if they had, if they pulled the animal out of your rishus and then it harmed, they're going to be liable. They have full responsibility in this case. So the Amor answered, Los They didn't actually pull the animal. What they did was they stood in front of it and they led the animal by uh, physically manipulating it. If you make your neighbor's animal stand to the wheat by getting in front of it, you're in trouble. So the Morris said, if you make it stand there, of course you're liable. Basically, what you did was the animal is trying to go out and you stand in front of it till it goes in the direction you want it to go to. So you didn't physically lead it but you caused it to go where it would do damage by standing in front of it. 
So that's the Dine Shemaim, they know you led the animal. But Dine Adam, you didn't touch the animal. So Amrle Abailer of Yosef, Hakisha um uh he Abai said Hakisha Amrislan. Um he said he has a different answer. He said you gave it a whack. You gave it a whack and that, that let the animal loose. Well least him nami hakisha. So since you gave it a whack, that you didn't actually pull it, but you like gave the animal a kick and the animal was going to take off. So you're liable because you caused it to take off. So again, our question was, and if the animal just gets out because you leave the fence open, that's grubba. You're not liable for that. You have to do something directly with the animal to give yourself liability. So our question was, what was the case? And, and the word said, if you actually pulled it, of course you had liability. So answer number one was you didn't actually pull it, but you manipulated the animal by directing it, by standing in front of it. And we're saying, they're going to hold you guilty for that. Uh, answer number two was, you gave it a whack, and uh, that got the animal going. Okay, moving on. And then we said, if you have a shepherd, he takes over. So, it takes over for who? If he takes over for the owner, this is old news. We learned before in the Mishnah that if you give it over to a watchman, a, a borrower, a loaner, a renter, they all take over. So this Mishnah can't be repeating what was learned before. What it's telling you is the watchman can give it to another watchman. So the Gemara says, uh, and you're telling me the first watchman doesn't have liability? He gave it to someone else. This was a famous question of Ravah's. Rava says that if you trusted one guy and he gives it to another guy, the first guy still has liability because he didn't have your permission to give it to another Shomer Chayv. So are you telling me over here that uh, the Mishnah, when it says that if the shepherd gives it to someone else, the new person takes on liability. I thought the original one who gave, who was given it to by the owner can't lose that responsibility. So Amalak Rabbah, my muscle Roya, when it says he gave it over to somebody, it doesn't mean to an outside person. He gave it over to his Barzillai. Barzillai, Rashi says, is his apprentice. Let's tell me that. I was, I was trying to remember why Barzillai means apprentice. I don't know. Uh, but uh, it means apprentice. So the I think Barzillai was David's ally and, and helped him uh, when. That's uh, Barzillai Agilati, correct? But I don't, I don't know how that fits in over here. Unless in other words, he's he's an accomplice. He's somebody who helps you. I think. But what does that have to do with the word Barzil? Uh, Barzil is like iron or Barzillai or. You're saying that that's the meaning of the word is is accomplice. So, okay, but anyway, the urchud. the urchud roy. I think it's this week's haftorah, by the way, Barzilai. So, in this case, what happened was this: you gave your um, uh, your sheep to your favorite shepherd uh, shepherd watching company, and he gave it to one of his hired hands. So he wasn't really negligent because it's understood when you use that company that you use the people that they hire, that they're, they're apprentices. That's one way to learn the case that the mission is telling you that for sure if the owner gave it to someone else, uh, that person would take responsibility. But over here, even if the shepherd gives it to his apprentice shepherd, uh, even though the guy's just learning the ropes, uh, he still will be responsible. 
Some people say, it says you give it to a shepherd. It doesn't say somebody else. What does it mean that you give it to the shepherd? It means the shepherd gives it to his uh, apprentice. That's common. But if he gives it to a total stranger, then uh, the, the shepherd who gave it to a different person will be liable. That's a proof to Ravadam. If your guardian gives it to another, he has no business doing that. Uh, so this proves uh, that uh, um, uh, Ravaz did, that uh, he's not allowed to give it over. So the Morris said, no, it's not a proof. Maybe it was just telling you the more normal thing. Normally, the Shomer has to go. He gives it to the one that works for him. But really, he could have given it to someone else. He's also putter. So it's not a proof because we don't, it couldn't just be we said the normal case. Normally, he doesn't give it to a total stranger. He gives it to the guy that usually works for him. Okay. It's Mar Nuthink. Shomer Aveda. If somebody's watching your item, Rabba Omer Keshomer Chinam. He says that it's a, um, well, uh, uh, somebody find your animal gets loose. And somebody finds, oh, this is my neighbor's cow, my neighbor's dog. So I'm going to watch it and bring it back to him. Something happens to the animal while you're watching it. Do you have responsibility or not? You're being a good neighbor and you're returning the Aveda. Uh, And something happens. Do you have liability or not? So Rabbi says, no, you're doing him a favor. You're not being paid for that. So you have very little liability. It's like you're not being paid to do that. Rev Yosef said, No, you get a mitzvah. And so you're like a paid guardian. You better watch that animal carefully. What, what benefit are you getting? You're just returning this guy's thing. You're doing him a total favor. It's not fair to give you liability, big liability. Rev Yosef said, No, you're like being hired. By... So now this is a famous question that we're going to start the discussion on. And that's, Reb Yosef, to understand Reb Yosef, Reb Yosef said that when you return a lost object, you have liability as if you were paid to watch it until the owner gets it back. And so the question is why? Why do we give you that liability when you're just being a tzaddik? You're just being a good guy. So he says there is a benefit, and listen to the benefit. With that benefit, you don't have to give food to the poor uh, you don't have to deal with the mishulachim. Basically, if you're not busy and a mishulah comes, a poor person comes, you have to help them. If if you're not busy and there are people to help, you know. You, uh, but if you're busy doing a mitzvah, you know, leave me alone. I'm, I'm going to dafyovi. <laughs> I'm helping the shul. I I'm, I'm making my earning my livelihood right now. I don't have time for you. But if you have time and someone needs your help, you're supposed to help them. So uh, that's a benefit to you that you're returning a lost object because uh, you don't have to do any other job at that point, then you're exempt. That, that, and that situation you want to take as long as possible. Absolutely. <laughs> right. That's your... That's answer number one. Uh, Rev Yosef gives a different answer. He says... Um, since the Torah gives you like a mitzvah, so that's like a shomer sacha dummy. Uh, that's that's the way he learns it. Let's see Rashi. The low boy, uh, uh, the low boy, the mesa, the mitzvah. You're doing a mitzvah. You're going on the way. So Tosas wants to say 
there's a little bit of a question over here. What if it's possible to watch the sheep and give charity to the uh, Meshulach at the same time? Let's look at Tosus. This very quickly. Bottom Tosus. While you're busy, let's say you're, you're fixing it. needs something. Let's say the Aveda is in your house. That doesn't mean you can't give charity. What if you could do both? You can't say I'm busy with one mitzvah and I can't do the other if it's impossible to do both. Let's just see this line in Tosus. I'm wearing tefillin and I'm wearing tzitzis. I don't have to do it. So next time the Meshulah comes, you said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm wearing my tzitzis. No, no multitasking. <laughs> no multitasking. Uh, so, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing my tefillin. So Tosus, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do the whole Tosus. We're going to stop here. Uh, but um, the, the subject is that it is true when you're involved in a mitzvah, you don't put that mitzvah down. In last week's parsha, where Yaakov Avinu was saying Kriyashma when he sees Yosef, and Yosef isn't. So they all ask, why wasn't Yosef saying Shema? And they said, because he was honoring his parents. So he, you're busy with what? When you're honoring your parents, you don't stop honoring your parents to daven and say Shema Tashem. Because you're doing one mitzvah. You have to be focused on the mitzvah you're doing. You don't switch rounds and do a different mitzvah. You, 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 so Tosas wants to know, but maybe you can multitask. So how does that work? That's a whole subject in and of itself, but that's on this uh, Rebiosa. Have a great